Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. It's your co-host, Eric Rieger, and of course, our main host, Dr. Kenneth Brown, will be joining here shortly. But we have COVID Files 7.0. This more than likely will be the last installment of the COVID file for a little while as we merge back to doing Gut Check Project. I know I said that in the past, but we had some new news coming out. Today's episode is going to focus on some of the kind of odd information that that came from uh, the WHO, the World Health Organization, and how to basically worry about pre-symptomatic versus asymptomatic, uh, transmission issues, etc. It's a rather short episode compared to some of our others, but uh, regardless, as always, brought to you by Unrefined Bakery. Go to unrefinedbakery.com. If you like great food, just simply go to unrefinedbakery.com. You don't have to worry about having something that's going to trigger an allergy response. If you eat paleo, if you eat keto, if you simply want some great tasting food, but you're gluten-free, unrefinedbakery.com is there for you. Use code GUTCHECK online and save 20% off of your first order. Again, that's unrefinedbakery.com. Always brought to you by Autron Teal. You can find Autron Teal at lovemytummy.com slash KBMD. Lovemytummy.com slash KBMD. Get your daily polyphenols. Polyphenols are those wonderful little natural molecules that you find in fruits and vegetables. They help set your gut straight. They are incredible at feeding your microbiome so that your microbiome, the bacteria in your colon, can produce the postbiotics that are essential to a healthy life. Atron Teal, incredible, developed by my co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. And of course, you can find Dr. Kenneth Brown's signature package of Atron Teal and KBMD CBD at kbmdhealth.com. You'll also find other episodes of Gut Check Project as well as COVID file installations. Go to kbmdhealth.com. You can pan down to the store, get some incredible deals on CBD, which has been vetted. You can get your own signature packages of Autron Teal and CBD, as well as you can also have Broccolite Pro, which means that only a physician can use it. That's what the little pro means. That is sulforaphanes in a stable capsule form. It's the only stable capsule delivery system of sulforaphanes in broccoli. So kbmdhealth.com, use code GCP and save 20% off of any order. All right, here we go. Tune in, probably the last episode of COVID File for a little while, 7.0. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Stay safe. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. We are here for what we think is going to be the last installment of the COVID Files episode 7.0. I'm here with your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. And I'm honestly, we we got to a point where maybe we've just kind of COVID it out. So we're going to bookend this with some very important information simply because of stuff that just came up. So what do you say, Dr. Brown? Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people with everything that's gone on recently, it is just absolute overload. Part of the overload also is the amount of literature that's coming out regarding this whole COVID situation. We hear one thing, we, you know, something else happens. We know that all of a sudden, 
There's articles being retracted now, and we're going to talk about that. And then there's articles where this and that. Now, it, early on, if you look at our original COVID files, I really felt like we were doing a great job of staying, uh, of informing our audience, and we stayed sure. way ahead of the mainstream media. We were saying things, quite honestly, a couple months before stuff started getting out. And now we're finding out that, okay, everybody's now starting to get, or everybody, you can get a preprint done, which now you can look up and you can do this. And that's what we're going to talk about. I do have a kind of a cool preprint, whether it's true or not. But uh, now it's almost like you have to put an asterisk next to scientific studies that are being put out there. And that's what we want to talk about today. Because as of this week, the WHO, unfortunately, got put under fire a little bit for saying some things. And we want to talk about that. We want to then hopefully move on, get back to Gut Check Project, get back to talking about food, nutrition, health, lifestyle, biohacking, all kinds of stuff. That's a little bit more um, in our wheelhouse, but we, I think we did a really good job of addressing the COVID attack that came on, but I think it's, um, we just have to wait and see how it plays out now and then recircle back when everything's open. I mean, no, no joke. So let's, let's just get straight to it. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface only by saying this, uh, COVID files 7.0, and then we've had the half sessions where fortunately Dr. Stuart Ackerman has joined Dr. Brown to bring pertinent information for test and interpretation. We've, we've really kind of slowed down on trying to dive in uh, much more on COVID because there's just been so much information, just like what you said. And then what occurred earlier this week with some, probably more misstated information than misinformation misstated from the WHO. The say it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's the World Health Organization, by which full admission from my end, you sometimes you kind of have to wonder what all of their motivations are. However, I feel that in this particular uh, situation where Maria Van Kerhove, or Kirkhovey, I could be mispronouncing her name completely. I don't want to butcher. Yeah, it, but. well, I've I've got yeah. I want to talk about that because her and I are actually pretty good friends. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, are, are so, yeah. I mean, like the press refers to her as Doctor Van Kerhove, um, but I know her as Maria Rosanna de Joseph Van Kerhove, and that's how I address her because we're close. Like that's that. cool. I, she sounded like she was from Nebraska. There's no yeah. doubt. <laughs> Maria Roseanne de Joseph Van Kirkhove. There is some Latin influence. We've got some Italian. We've got some, I think the Joseph is, what is the Joseph? If you have a D, if it's a Mick something, McClanahan, then you say Irish, a de Joseph, a D with a little E and a large J. What is that? De uh, Joseph. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Van seems somewhat Dutch. Yeah. And Kirkhove um, seems well, Scotch-Romanian. Yeah, sure. Scotch-Romanian. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, but it's it's funny because this this poor woman uh, was at a press conference and was asked a question and she said something to the effect of basically, um, oh, asymptomatic people probably can't transmit or it was just off the cuff and literally within minutes reporters were tweeting the statement which then became virally shared on social media which then was immediately put on the news networks and then we've got poor dr fauci coming on going oh you know he probably called i'm sure they're friends he's like 
and I'm sure they're as good enough friends as me and her are. So Dr. Fauci called <laughs> Maria Roseanne de Joseph, Maria Roseanne de Joseph Van Kirkhove, I think. And she just went, I know Dr. Fauci. I'm, that was at a press conference and I was just talking to a colleague. So. So let's, let's break down what she said. She, she basically interpreted, uh, and, and it, it, she is backtracked, but initially she made it sound as if asymptomatic people or people who are not showing symptoms, even if infected, rarely transmit disease. Now, this, is, this was big news because the reasons why we worked so hard to actively flatten the curve was because there was a threat of you may be spreading disease and having no idea. So in essence, what she initially said or the way it was interpreted was, well, what we thought was this massive threat, it's not that it doesn't exist, it's just not quite to the level that maybe we first were describing. And even I, when I heard that, I turned to you, I was like, did you hear what they oh, just came out with? No, I mean, that's part of the problem. We're still socially distancing, but as soon as you heard her say that and you got the tweet, you drove the hour and 10 minutes to the studio and I was like, whoa, I'm like, what are you doing? We're social distancing. <laughs> and you're like, didn't you hear what the WHO said? It we doesn't good. matter anymore. I'm yeah. asymptomatic. We're fine. And, yeah. I, you know, unfortunately, you know, I was masked up wearing my bodysuit and stuff and I sprayed <laughs> you with the hose. So get out of here. Go back. Go back to Decatur because we're still socially distancing. Hmm. Well, I think I just offended Eric because he apparently dropped off this Zoom call. So we've lost him for a moment. Um, but it is true. What he's saying is that the WHO statement that um, Dr. Van Kirkhove mentioned off the cuff was essentially i i apologize to our audience that i think i offended you when i said go back to decatur because you you fell off i apologize i'm just saying will you please accept my apology and remain on this podcast with me yes i will it okay was, thank you I was, I was really really hurt there oh, well. <laughs> you're, you're a very very <laughs> forgiving man so i was just I um i was just reiterating that the doctor said an off-the-cuff statement that asymptomatic people, but what's really, what the reason why Dr. Fauci had to get involved and the reason why it suddenly became spread through the news networks is because everything seems to become political. So then it was, why did we close the economy down? Oh my gosh, let's get out there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we were just talking um, on the last call that we just had with our partner, uh, Michael Ogden, about how he was given the numbers in Texas, some of the highest hospitalizations that we've had i mean i didn't see the article did you take a look yeah at actually i did and i'm going to butcher the, the last two digits but essentially the high watermark i think was 1900 hospitalizations within one day and the numbers that they came out with this morning i believe as they closed uh business yesterday was uh, 2500 and change yeah so sig significantly higher uh percentage wise probably for a state of uh you know several million still a low percentage overall, but regardless, it's, it's climbing. And what's very, very important in healthcare is trends because trends are what guide us and what it is that we have to treat. So numbers, maybe not huge percentages, 
certainly noticeable, but uh, the growth and the trend is, is what you need to keep an eye on. And currently we are technically on an upward trend and I've, and, and uh, by the way, I'll add that the last three weeks temperatures have been higher, which is something that was thought to be something that would help um, tamp some of the uh, transmission and infection. So that is, that is a great observation because you know, two months ago, that's, that was a whole thing. China was putting publications out that showed in regions where it was warmer, the disease spread was less. And so we were all like, sure. oh, all we have to do is make it to spring and then summer's here and it'll flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing high numbers and it's like 90, well, yeah, it's somewhere in the 90s in Texas, at least where, where we live, which is kind of northern Texas in the Dallas area. Or, and then, so that, I mean... I don't know. It, we're all learning all of this. So. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I guess you could still go back uh, uh, to what we've also agreed with, which is uh, the incubation time could be as long as around 14 days. So maybe the transmission happened back before it really began to warm up. And maybe maybe with the sustained temperatures, high temperatures over 90 in our area, will we'll ha- we'll help t- uh, tamp that down. But it's, again, something that we won't know for another two, possibly three weeks. And in, and in addition to that, um, something else that's reasonable to expect, we all kind of thought numbers would go up because we began to open the state up for business. So maybe this is more than an acceptable number of hospitalizations given that we've more or less begun to open up um, some regular commerce, allowing people to get haircuts, although I haven't gotten one, and uh, you know different things like that. Quarantine, quarantine hair going on right now. Otherwise yeah. known as late 80s hair. If you compare my, <laughs> I look like a super stressed out version of my senior photo right now. <laughs> yeah. Just wow. That looks like Brown. This guy looks like Brown with wrinkles. He must have served a presidency term. You've seen all those pictures where they show all the presidents four <laughs> years later. <laughs> It don't feel bad. I, I look and I, I look like I'm just as disheveled as I was in eighth grade, riding around on ten speed. So, that's it. <laughs> um, couple quick things I did want to talk about before we jumped into some of the data about the WHO and why Dr. Fauci was a little upset and everything. We did something really cool recently. We did a webinar on the endocannabinoid system, and thanks to everyone that joined with that, we had kind of a huge turnout on that one. It was super fun. But the endocannabinoid system, um, we're going to put a link uh, in the, I guess, down below somewhere where people can look at that and, and take a look at the webinar. No, you're, you're grimacing. We don't know how to put a link there, Eric. Or? Oh, I think we do. I just want to make certain that uh, it happens and that it's functional. So I don't want to overpromise. <laughs> uh, I like to throw you out there and just say, Eric's going to handle this and Eric will <laughs> hand deliver. I can, say that, I can <laughs> yeah. say that by next week, we will have a, a page dedicated to all educational series webinars so that if you, it's, it will always be free to register and, uh, and view the content. We just simply want to be able to communicate with people who find benefit from using the information. So if you wish to share it with someone, all they have to do is become a part of the, uh, of the KBMD health community and they can access and watch everything. I think that's awesome. And I just want to say that the new plan with Atron Teal um, is that Eric will be hand delivering all orders, both online, Amazon, and if you need it for retail, it's curbside pickup. If you yep. see a very handsome man with a beard and large 80s hair, 
Uh, much like we're trying to guess at what uh, COVID numbers will be in two weeks, I'm going to guess that here shortly, satisfaction scores for Audra until are really going to go down. <laughs> All right. So that being said, super cool that we did this webinar. I'm glad we talked about something called the endocannabinoid system, which can actually help boost your ability to handle stress. Watch the webinar if Eric ever figures out how to do it. If he finds time <laughs> between delivering the hundreds of thousands of bottles of Atrantil. Um, so this, this poor doctor, um, Dr. Van Kerhoove, was at a press conference, said something in Dr. Fauci. Now, let's talk about, let's look at the numbers. Evidence shows that 25 to 45% of infected people do not have symptoms. 45, almost half of the people getting COVID don't have symptoms. And then if you look at the epidemiologic studies, the study where disease happens in various regions, we know that you can transmit the disease without symptoms. Here's the really fine line. How thin do you want to make this slice? What is a pre-symptomatic person and what is an asymptomatic person? That's the key to this thing because pre-symptomatic, you're highly infective. Asymptomatic, you have no symptoms. This is the really hard thing, and this is why the WHO uh, statement was a little bit difficult, because if you're pre-symptomatic, you're very infective. If you're asymptomatic, you're half of the people, and we know that epidemiologically, you can still transmit this virus. So what's the difference? And now they've been going on this significant campaign to try and retract some of those statements. So we've got Eric back. Thank you, Eric, for joining us again. Um, for anybody that's watching this on YouTube, Eric has horrible ADD and he'll just like space out, log out and be like, oh, I was doing a podcast. I better come back. You got a little issue with the internet there, brother? Man, I, we've not had any issues with our conference. In fact, you and I just had a meeting just before this, and we didn't have these interruptions. I'm, I'm, oh well. You know what? We we knew what the topic was going to be, so I feel pretty yeah. confident in now. In what no, we it's it's awesome. I just I I have abandonment issues, and every time you leave, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm All sure. right. So we. I was just explaining that the, the um, a Chinese study mentioned that four out of five infected people don't know that they had it. And they don't know where they got it. So it isn't like they're around somebody that was coughing and all this stuff. And you had mentioned just a few seconds ago about how the SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, has, can have a lengthy incubation period. Right. So when you start talking about pre-symptomatic versus asymptomatic, it's a very blurred line because you can have up to two weeks of no symptoms and then cough a little, and all of a sudden you go in and get checked and you've got COVID. Or right. the average duration is five days, which means for at least the majority of people, five days they're walking around, shaking hands, saying hi, doing whatever, which is why the social distancing was such a big deal. And so the, the whole WHO thing, you know, kind of threw a little wrench into what was going on because there's been like three major studies that looked at viral load of asymptomatic patients are similar to those who develop symptoms. Say that again, the viral load in the back of the throat of somebody with no symptoms that was diagnosed with COVID. So they were 
um, PCR positive in the back of the throat, and then they ended up developing, um, or I'm, I'm sorry, that group did not have any symptoms versus the group that actually had symptoms, went in and got it. The viral load was very similar to that. And so to say that the WHO was referencing that possibly asymptomatic people are non-infective, they've come back since then and have really, um, the doctor, Dr. Maria Rosanne de Joseph Van Kirkov, um, has recently over the last day come back significantly and said, look, I was referencing, this is the key here. This is the key to this. She was referencing three preprint studies. And that's where I want to go with this. She was not doing anything wrong. She was saying, oh, I saw some studies, kind of like you and I do on this podcast. Oh, we read this study that it implies this. Does this make sense? Does this follow the trend? Does whatever. So very interesting that she's come back and said, um, yes, there were preprints. It was just said in passing in a press conference. Probably shouldn't have been tweeted. It's not WHO policy. It's none of that. So I to just be fair, found- she was actually she was even in a press conference too when she said it. I think that she was kind of more or less trying to satisfy a question and was kind of pulled off sides. In fact, um, Ashi Jha from uh, Harvard Medical said that he feels that the scientific arm of the WHO is very, very, very smart, very intelligent. In fact, he says they put our own government's uh, decision-making kind of to shame. However, he said what they are bad at is conveying information. So he, he's, he's basically saying that their PR department doesn't necessarily coach them well on how to make what they are examining in terms of science without, I mean, this was a firestorm, at least for those who are paying attention. Yeah, think about this. She's an epidemiologist. She's a PhD. She's an MD. I mean, this is probably like a wicked smart person. I, I, sure. and you know, just got pulled off sides a little bit and just went nuts and then became a political thing. It's a, it's, it's one of those deals. So the bottom line is um, basically if you don't have symptoms, you're still infective and it can be 14 days before. And if you're pre-symptomatic and then I want to throw out a new term. Remember how we always talk about uh, probiotics, prebiotics, postbiotics. I'm going to do the same thing with this topic. I'm going to say that you are asymptomatic. No, you're pre-symptomatic, symptomatic, and asymptomatic. So when you go back and look at this, it may be that a lot of these people said they were asymptomatic were symptomatic. Me, allergies are bad today. I would never think that if something were to happen, they'd be like, hey, you have, um, you have antibodies to SARS-CoV-2. Have you ever been sick? And I'm like, no, because I would think of it as my normal allergy symptom. That's the posse symptomatic person. Sure. So well, that's, that's cool that you bring up that delineation because um, even some of the fodder on some of the articles written were, where they were trying to differentiate between pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic. And it's such a, um, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lost cause. Unless you have a crystal ball and knowing that you eventually will become sick, you would have no idea that you're pre-symptomatic. I mean, that's it's a, it's a, uh, a weird thing to try to predict. It's, it's super weird. And one of the terms that one of the doctors used, which I thought was really interesting because I kept thinking about that, how thin do you slice the salami? 
Never heard that term, never thought about it before, never thought about making a close call. How thin do you want to slice the salami? And clearly it was part of the vernacular of this person because they say it all the time, you know, that's a close call. Ah, That's a thin slice salami right there. (laughs) Where do they get that? No, but uh, so honestly, we still need to be cautious. You still need to be careful. Those who are highly susceptible, though, I think that we're reaching that point where We've talked about it multiple times on what type of body habitus, et cetera, is going to be most at risk. That hasn't changed. The elderly, the obese, those with comorbidities, the risk factors for those people, especially if they become infected, has not changed. If you're going to be responsible in public, you're, you, you need to be conscious of doing your part and trying, trying to do all that you can to, to not infect someone. Social distancing, if that's, if that's your thing, wearing a mask, if that's your thing. And you're also going to get to a point where people are going to become complacent with not doing some of those things because people are willing to accept certain elements of risk. That's just the truth. It totally is. And so let's, I want to talk about two things. Um, one, this hydroxychloroquine backlash that's been going on. So this is a great example of what is happening here. So um, there's been two hydroxychloroquine articles that have now been retracted from very prominent journals, the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine. And they've been retracted and they've been used much like the WHO statement in like a political way, a bipartisan way. Let's, let's just say it what it is. The bipartisan way is that um, there is a a lot of people in the current administration that believe that hydroxychloroquine is very effective. And these two articles were retracted, which is now being used as a political motive to discuss that. Here's the deal is that when you dive deeper into it, both, both authors of these articles in the Lancet and in the New England Journal of Medicine were using one repository of data. And that company has not had a third-party audit of this. So don't know how much you can actually trust the data. But the authors, if I'm a, if I'm a gastroenterologist doing a study on something and, and I say, I need, I want to publish a study on the incidence of gastrointestinal symptoms on COVID, well, there's companies that all they do is just gather data so that yeah. I can go in there and say this. And when that happens, um, I trust them because I'm not the kind of person that would spend another two months vetting them, hiring a third party company. Nobody is. So you have these two articles that were retracted and I feel bad for the doctors. It's probably spent a ton of time writing this, going over it, graduate students. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of hours to get a study out. And then it's just yoink and it becomes some sort of manipulative pawn in this whole process. Uh, So if you read about that, it's basically that this company called Surgisphere, a healthcare firm behind all the data, would not allow an independent review of its data set. And because of that, the articles were pulled. And they, I um, looked further into them, and they would not allow it because the people that allowed the data to be given, it's a confidentiality, HIPAA, blah, 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 blah. So it's very like, I could never let a third party come in 
and do a, a third party company outside of my organization that didn't sign all the appropriate stuff to come in and look at any of my patient's stuff. So it's, it's as great. I mean, it's so gray on the surface. They say, ha, those articles were retracted. Hydroxychloroquine kills people. And then you start going further and you're like, wait a minute, we still don't know. Wait a minute. The Chinese were saying, we're seeing benefit. France was seeing benefit early on. That's why we went with it. And now when that is being published, it's retrospective analysis on, um, data that's collected by this company that now is being put into question because nobody has looked at their data. They may be completely fabricating everything. They may be behind some huge giant political thing, or maybe they really can't share the data with anybody, with a third party person. And this is all that we got. Somebody's doing the work to do this. It's just, this is where it becomes COVID overload, dude. I'm just like, it's well, you know, I, it's interesting that you bring it up and you kind of describe it that, like that because, and, and just for the record, I think I feel the same way, but let me see if I can summarize what you're just conveying to me. We're out here just yours, you as a healthcare provider, you just want to know all that you can so that when presented with an issue, you can most effectively help a patient find a favorable resolution. Unfortunately, it's more than obvious that at certain intersections politics will force either some information to be covered up or the wrong elements of information to be pushed out so that some other agenda or something else can either be satisfied or just temporarily delayed until something else occurs. And I only say that it sounds that way to me because I'm not necessarily a, a fan of any party, if you, if you will, but I I just don't think that Trump has it in him to make up uh, a drug name and just randomly assign it to a disease. He's lots of people already don't think he's fit the bill for certain things. I'm just going to tell you, I don't think he's ever heard of Plaquenil before someone told it to him. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's so somebody, somebody said, do this. Now it's being thrown at him. Sure. Um, this phenomenal I, i'm just gonna say phenomenal because i actually looked up her credentials and she is just a badass like where she went to school she went to flew to england to study and all this other stuff you know she does an off the cuff off the cuff remark and now it's being used against her sure. and you know we've got these poor uh authors and i say poor in the sense that you know time money you know, all this stuff, everybody's trying. And as a scientist myself, and as a bunch of articles that I'm waiting to publish that I'm trying to, you know, keep moving, I just can't find the time to do it. If I carved out this ginormous amount of time to do it, and then it just gets drug over the coals because of something that was completely out of my control. I just feel for, I just feel for them. And, you know, I got that being said, I want to talk about one other thing. Okay. Um, a cool study that I can that just came out. It's a preprint. It's awesome. But I got I'm trying to hold on one second. Let me, this is a, got a little CBD going on here. I'm going to do something. It's weird that you have some on you. I know. Ew, we're, hold on. Everybody's going to start doing this after I tell you about this article, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I just gargled my CBD. You did. Did that pique your interest at all about the article? It's not the way that you 
normally have told or instructed patients to take CBD? No, we have talked other ways of, of doing CBD and we're going to do some serious studies on that. Once I can gain a little ground on how else CBD can be applied, we're going to have some fun with that and we'll be talking <laughs> big time for people. But so, um, it, yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't matter to you because you got vaccinated for COVID, but with me, oh, I, weren't you in the uh, White House meeting room when they? Yes. Okay, for the record, I did not. So please don't email me. That is not something that occurred. <laughs> this is not a hot mic. I'm, I'm well aware that this thing is on. So. <laughs> You're the one that showed this to me. Tell, tell everybody about it. Uh, it's, it's a little over a month old, but there was, um, I think it was, uh, God, I don't remember what news agency it was. It was either CNN or Fox. They picked up some guys getting ready, getting ready for a press briefing in the white house, uh, press room. And, uh, one of them was overheard saying something, I'm paraphrasing, but we can remove these masks, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone here has already been vaccinated anyway. <laughs> and of course, when I played it for you, we both just stared at each other and said, even if in jest, that is really, really weird. That's a strange <laughs> joke. I know. I, what I think is funny is that the, the hot mic got it and then they put it out there. But um, there was, I well, I mean, I rely on you to show me a lot of this kind of topical stuff that's outside. It was very of Wizard of Oz, the way they explained it. They're like, oh, no, no, that's just how we always joke. And I'm like, I know, you know, no one jokes like that. <laughs> it was a joke. That's funny. We'll just call it a joke. All right. So this, so this, <laughs> so this, so this preprint that I found, and what preprint means is that right now, more than ever, if you're a scientist, you can get some sort of traction on a journal article before you have been peer reviewed. Once you're peer reviewed, then you get accepted into a journal. Usually they send it back to you to say, make these changes because we believe that that is hyperbole. We believe that that is not, you know, in reference, one of our editors, one of our experts. And so that's what these, that's why we say, a peer-reviewed journal. So this has not been peer-reviewed yet. Um, hopefully it makes it because it's pretty awesome. The, basically what they're looking at is does a full spectrum, they, they actually are using true um, a little bit of THC and they use varying ratios of THC, but does a full spectrum cannabis plant and they also used below 0.3% meaning. So I interpreted that the title as does a full spectrum CBD product help with COVID-19 gateway tissues? That was the title of the article. Or, okay. And does it modulate? The actual title was does a full spectrum CBD modulate ACE2 expression in COVID-19 gateway tissues? And very, very interesting because there is a group in Canada and what they're able to do is they're um, able to acquire tissue, human grown tissue from a company in Massachusetts that sends, that uses this for studies. They took airway tissue, oral tissue, and intestinal tissue, hence the gateway tissue, yeah. basically yeah. the ways that you can become infected. Oral, back of the mouth, which is why we swab it. Um, 
Wow. Airway, the lungs, and then intestinal, the gut. We've been talking about this, and this is how this is where the majority of ACE2 receptors are located. So then what they did is that they took those tissues and they caused an inflammatory response in them using uh, TNF alpha and other inflammatory mediators, and this induced inflammation. They checked the ACE2 levels and they were upregulated, meaning during an inflammatory process, or if you are fighting an infection, your ACE2 levels hop up, which is exactly what you don't want with COVID-19 because the SARS-CoV-2 virus looks for those. There must be some sort of beneficial effect to upregulate ACE2 in other environments, but during this pandemic, it's considered you know, a detriment. So then they irritated these tissues, the gateway tissues, how you get infected, and then they expose the tissues to like 22 different strains of CBD or cannabis with CBD with varying ratios of CBD to THC. And because in Canada, remember, the whole country's legal, so they can, they can play with THC and do stuff like that. What they found is that there was a consistent trend that the higher the CBD content, the more effective... This was at both decreasing inflammation and down-regulating ACE2 receptors. So my whole tongue-in-cheek gargling CBD, according to this study, in vitro, not in vivo, preprint, and if you're going to go, well, how did they figure out the ACE2 levels? Pretty scientific. They did RNA polymerase where they, polymerase, can actually, yeah. Yeah, they can actually see the ACE2 receptors. And they showed this. And so <laughs> they had me up to this point. This is awesome. Uh-oh. So they speculated. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a dismount. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was because it's, it was super scientific. And then you realize that, <laughs> that there's always a motive, you know, or, or not always a motive, but there's a motive. And and um, as an entrepreneur and as um, a doctor, mm-hmm. I would have left this last statement out because okay. it's, it's basically showing their cards or whoever they're, whoever, because this was not done at an institution. It was done at a um, lab. Or- yeah, it's basically a cannabis company yeah. renting space at a lab. Mm-hmm. They said, um, Therefore, further research has to be done, but speculating, looking at the ACE2 downregulation, developing a CBD mouthwash to gargle on a regular basis may be of benefit. Like, ah, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. You just said your business plan. (laughs) No joke. (laughs) So that's why I gargled, but there's a really good example of a preprint. I mean, one week from now, if this, if this gains traction and people start talking about gargling CBD mouthwash, mm-hmm. remember, it's a preprint. And it has not been peer-reviewed, and there's probably a lot more that we need to learn about it, and blah, 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 blah. But it's at least, I mean, you've got to encourage the science. You've got to encourage everyone to get out there and try some stuff and say it. I think it's a great heads up. And, true, and truly, back when we were even talking about uh, lung infection as it, re, as it uh, related to uh, inflammatory markers uh, and COVID, um, I guess it was four or five weeks ago, knowing all of that and, and the circulating cytokines and TNF-alpha, 
And then the presentation of ACE2 receptors being associated with that, what we're saying is, is not really that big of a deviation to that controlling inflammation with a healthy ECS is still paramount. 100%, which is, which is why the article made total sense to me. Because during that webinar, we talked about how your endocannabinoid system regulates your immune response. Yeah. It makes sense that if you... Now, what, the, what they did get into, they it just had a tremendous amount of great science in there in this article, and they were talking about the full spectrum, the terpenes, the polyphenols, the flavonoids that all have mm -hmm. a um, inflammatory cytokine balancing proportion. And so this is another great example. They said, this is why we believe that a CBD isolate will not exact the, the same response. And I, I like seeing companies say stuff like that because I yeah. agree. I believe that mother nature grows it better um, than we can actually produce in a lab. So, and that's not even just a shot across the bow. That's just the truth. I mean, in my opinion, the, uh, the natural, the natural compounds that we typically consume, they're probably assembled that way by nature for a reason. Yeah, exactly. So kind of an interesting thing. We always want to talk a little bit of science on the show. Um, I think that next time we get on here, we're going to be talking something different besides COVID. Um, we shouldn't shut down COVID all the way, but I no. do think that we need to tell the audience that we, we are, I feel that we have given the most pertinent information without a new revelation possible, without just drowning everyone in, in the, same, the same news over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it just becomes COVID fatigue. I think so, so too. Yeah, and we've got um, we we still have to help people. I'm still a doctor. We still got to do a lot of things. We got a lot of things that we're working on. We got a lot of things that we're looking up. Yeah. We've got. I'm, I mean, I want to talk to you, uh, talk about subjects in the future here. I want to talk uh, GI motility, vagal nerve activity, um, how to sleep in the best way to get your um, glymphatic drainage the best. Glymphatic. I did not mispronounce. I'm looking up articles where you can prevent dementia by sleeping in a certain position and there's, we got all kinds of stuff. So what I, what I would really like is ideas and we're to the point now where we can start calling experts to help us out. Like we did with the postbiotic lecture, like we have with a few other people have been reaching out to us. We've had a handful of very nationally recognized people go, I like what you're doing. I, uh, can I talk about my thing? Yeah, absolutely. Your thing is cool that's that's where we want to go so if you've got an idea of something let us know we've got um a repository of journal articles that is massive unlike any other time in history that you can keep that many journal articles and it'll be fun to look back five years from now when we've got our thousands and thousands and thousands of COVID articles and then you can um, arrange them by topic and then show the, it'll be fascinating to write an article, the evolution of scientific data on COVID. Everything is a bell curve where it's just like, it's hot. Now it's not. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Well, man, we actually did it. We stayed well under an hour for a whole uh, episode. So I don't oh, even know what else. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. I've been writing some poetry. Can I go get it and fill up the rest of the hour. Tune in next time on Gutchy Project when we have poetry and prose with your Dr. Brown. Just not now. I've got to hang up. <laughs> hey, um, thanks for, thanks for um, staying on the longest you did on this podcast without like leaving.
So yeah, at the end, yeah, I wanted I wanted to to, <laughs> to stop ducking out for certain. Be certain, everyone, to like and share, like and share the podcast. We are ready to get back into the mode of a gut check project. Uh, we definitely appreciate everyone telling us your stories. Hey, you stayed safe, and uh, so many of y'all written back saying that you are finding new safe ways to get back out and about. And I couldn't be happier for all of you to resume your normal living and lives and continue to stay safe, no doubt. Absolutely. And as always, I'm a doctor. Eric is a CRNA, but we are not giving medical advice on this show. We are strictly doing this to try and entertain, try and educate. Do not take any of this information that we give as true medical advice or um, as always, always speak with your doctor. Oh, and, and just to add, uh, we are having t- today's episode, and it is in the midst of the seriousness that has fallen out from George mm. Floyd. We do not take any of that lightly whatsoever, and uh, our thoughts are certainly with all of those who are struggling to handle this uh, unfortunate situation uh, top to bottom, and I'm hoping for some meaningful change that uh, benefits everyone, no doubt. Absolutely. It becomes very hard to, every time that, uh, George Floyd is brought up, it becomes extremely hard to really think about anything else. And then the events that followed, and we are in no mind or, or in no way undermining any of that. There's no way that we're belittling uh, the situation. And honestly, I'm encouraged we're a few weeks out now. Uh, it seems that there is a movement that's going on. And one of the things that you and I both really like is we like music. And when you, when you look, throughout history that voter reform, um, women's voting rights, uh, workers' unions, or, or workplace things, everything had a protest that sparked the interest of people that then resulted in a change. And I'm really hoping that I have a 15-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl that we can look back at this in a very short period of time, I was going to say this large number, but I hope it's next year that we can look back and go, remember when things like this happened? Now they don't. We've made changes. Things are better. Without question. You and I, I think, have very diverse uh, histories while we grew up. And so I think that sometimes, even though I definitely wouldn't characterize either one of us as having race relation issues, even sometimes those of us who don't, we have to be aware of the complacency that, that may occur and then strive for better change. And that's what you, know, you really should be doing that with everything in your life. That's what it's in part what this program is about. We don't want to become complacent in healthcare. We don't want to become complacent with social issues either. So, yeah, anyway. absolutely. Which is, uh, we've taught, uh, you know, we work together and so we talk and it's, um, it's just one of those things that you, I'm, it's disbelief. It's just disbelief. It really is. And if it, and you know, if I'm sitting around with somebody that went through world war two, they're like, yeah, this is thought about that. If I'm sitting with somebody who went through the civil rights movement, they're like, it was, we were in disbelief then also like every time that a major change is going to happen, disbelief happens. So I don't, um, yeah, hey, thank you. Know- The topic is a little uncomfortable. The truth is, if it's making you uncomfortable, it's going to motivate change. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
So, well, uh, again, everyone, thank you so much for your support. Like and share. Uh, please support our sponsors, Unrefined Bakery, Atron Teal, and, of course, you can always check in with us at kbmdhealth.com. We have the new webinar educational series page that will be popping up. And there's KBMD CBD that Dr. Brown's holding up. CBD. Look at that webinar series. And then, of course, order your Atron Teal and have it hand-delivered by Eric. (laughs) Oh, that is not going to (laughs) happen. Thank you, everyone. Y'all have a great day.